Hello and welcome to the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast. And I suppose I should play like the intro mabob thing that we always do. Yeah, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Look at that. There we go. Now we know we're officially on the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast because we've heard a very cheap, free, royalty free, free in Charles some storm and lightning and that and we're here to continue on a continuation chris of a continuation of a podcast you know you're onto something good when they ask you to make a third series don't you <laughs> <laughs> so this is the third part i guess of the weaving planet so we got the weaving planets podcast and then we got last week's episode of a podcast which i can't even remember why it was but we were talking about the lower triangle of manifestation not of triangles not of triangles that's it triangles tied in a knot or some such thing and now we're on the continuation of that um and what are we talking about today is it we just we, we obviously there was three of them because a triangle is a bit too complicated for some it has three points i guess we only be able to speak about two points today because <laughs> the three yeah. points was too complicated enough for some so i should start by asking you how your mood went amazing oh <laughs> i always knew it would <laughs> they, they learned so much i bet they did um and uh which two points would you like to talk about on your triangle the lower form of the triangle of manifestation which one can we kick out should we kick out that looney tune yeah she did the she don't make no sense looney tune which leaves us with two planetary correspondences to have a little talk about today some that are perfectly balanced we have the left side <laughs> and we have the right side i love how you just did a fonzie thumbs up and no one can see it i know no one can see it also i went to the whole extent <laughs> of actually changing us around so we've got the lefty yeah. person on the left and the righty person on the right. They're not going to see that either, but I can see it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> so which two planets are we wanting to talk about today then, Mr. Chris? Um, Jupiter? No, we're not talking about Jupiter. <laughs> we're talking about Mercury and Venus. Mercury and Venus. Oh, yes, we do like a Mercury and Venusian topic of conversation. So Mercury and Venus, left and right hemispheres of the brain. We talked about that last time, but now it's time to delve in a little bit deeper to this. So we've got lefty people, very logical, cold, calculating, you know, that kind of thing. And we've got Venusian robotic we've got venusian people they've always got paint all over them i think they're always painting or doing something crafty well they're normally covered not, in something not crafty crafty they're always covered in something yes we'll just leave it at that <laughs> so which are you and why well obviously i'm the cool collected together mercurial one right 
Yes, because it, when I look at you, uh, you scream mercurial. The uh, strong, unwavering pillar of the community that never changes, nor goes through any form of wild mood swings or anything. No, I don't. None of that happens to me ever. Okay, of course. Because as we all know, Venusian people are liars. Hence Aphrodite and her cheating on her husband. No, we are creative with the truth. Yes, you're lying deceitful. Whereas us mercurial types, we always, we, always, we always call everyone out on it, you see. People say Mercury is a trickster, but actually those people are Venusian assholes that don't like that they've been given enough rope to hang themselves with. And that actually this mercurial trickster side, this nasty criminal side we see of Mercury, is actually us telling the truth. Because we all know the truth is stranger than fiction, but it nothing cuts deeper than the truth. I've been in trouble a lot of the times in my past. And I tell you what, I've always been most in trouble for telling the truth. Because the truth is something people rarely want to hear. So there we go. Mr. Netsack, tell us about Venus. Netsack. Netsack, from the planetary correspondence email. Netsack, you know? Oh, you Netsack, Hod, Gabor, Yassad, yeah. Makuf. I knew you go yeah, with but planets, but I'll go some with of the ceremonial magicians out there all like the fact because... that I've called you Mr. Netsack. Or I is it Mrs. Wanna... Netsack, like Mrs. Netspit? From Toy Story. Because you did go and make yourself Mrs. a cup of tea. Are you drinking Darjeeling? No. Oh. See? Okay, well, Mrs. Netsack, tell us, tell us about Venus. I'm the optimist. Yes, and try to, try to keep your biologicals to yourself, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't use the netzak because I'm not even sure that's how it's pronounced. I'm trusting that you know you're Jewish, you're Hebrew. Netzak. I mean, you don't need to with this because no one knows the proper ones anyway. Because no one's. <laughs> is it chokma or is it chokma? You know, what is this? I mean, know. people say Gaborah, people say Gadorah instead of Shasad, you know, or chest. I need to work with some chest. It's like, right, have you have you tried some bench press? No, I mean Jupiter, in it. <laughs> well, we're not a lot of ceremonial with, magicians down in Bristol. Yeah, West Country ceremonial magicians. <laughs> That's West Country ceremonial magicians for you, in it. What about the tip tap one? What you mean, Tapara, the sun, the soul? Yeah, yeah, the tip tap one. <laughs> <laughs> Dip that one. Yeah, just don't go near Darth. I didn't go near Darth. I didn't get near Darth. No, I did not go near Darth. You told me not go near Darth, so I ain't not even be near Darth or nothing. I didn't even do it. I would never do that. But if I were, what would happen? <laughs> you got me Darth. Go down Darth, have not you? <laughs> I imagine some of the, some of the Americans are thinking I haven't understood a word he said. Regardless of the fact it's in Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bristolian Hebrew. 
brief room. <laughs> it's a brief room. <laughs> so, Hod and Netflix, Mercury and Venus. You're, you were halfway through telling us about Venus because she's very dense. <laughs> Come on, How tell you us said about dense. it. Dense. You didn't mean dance. <laughs> no dance. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, the Venusian Venus. She got it. Yeah, um, baby, she's got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so for um Venus, yeah, Venus. So obviously Venus is represents the kind of creative, the um the kind of natural, the any any all things um to do with reproduction. So the creation and recreation of things. So that is where the artistic mind comes um, and is allowed to kind of continually rebirth new ideas. So whereas the mercurial are the ones who take those ideas and constrain them into tables and concepts and figures and fake statistics like Liam did last week. I do love a fake statistic. <laughs> I think fake statistics are incredibly important because when you truly understand fake statistics and are comfortable with fake statistics, you will not be a slave to real statistics. Maybe there's some truth in there. I think smidgen. there is. I think there's some truth to it. I think there is. It's like okay. news and fake news. If you get used to fake news, then you won't be caught out by the real news. Because obviously we all know if you don't listen to the news, you're uninformed. But if you do listen into the news, you're misinformed. But there we go. Can you carry on talking about Venus, please? But I was wondering if you could do it in a mercurial way, because so far you are very much uh, going along the lines of the Venusian. I don't feel like it. I'm an artist. I've got to get in the right frame of mind. Blah, 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 blah. You know? <laughs> in a minute, she'll be sobbing. Or a little are, you ask, are, you asking, <laughs> are you asking me to give a, a, a table of correspondences? I I'm just telling you so. to let us know what you, Mrs. Venus, is all about, like, in it. Apart from the sex stuff and the finger in the finger paints, the poster paints, you know? No. Give us some that's depth for crying out loud, but just don't let us drown. Because at the moment, did, I'm not sorry, but this podcast is drowning. <laughs> and that's compared to what it's really normally like. So that's staying somewhere. Why are you being so rude about the podcast that we co-create? Come on, get on with it. Get on with what? You're talking about Venus, for fuck's sake. This is your stereotypical Venusian here. <laughs> she's she's a planet. She's awesome. She's amazing. What more do you what want? What makes her amazing? She looks great in her thong. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are the dark yes. sides of Venus? Venus in retrograde, Venus on a bad day, okay. Venus on that Venus. time of the month. 
Venus on that side is also the obsessive. It's the um, narcissist. It's the... Um, Instagram model. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The nasty, the vengeful. You know, she's on that... Um, she's on that line, that opposite line, across across the solar into Mars. So you think all of the destructive aspects of is is available there, but with Venus, it's about what needs to be ripped down so that it can be reproduced. So it would be the healing aspect of destruction, if that makes sense. So it would be the um the antibodies the the parts of it that are there to take away and destroy all the the nasty stuff so it can also be um you know it is the forest fire that would destroy an entire swathe of land so that all the undergrowth can start again fresh so she's she's all of those things, as well as being nurturing and all those lovely things that we like to think about her. Um, she's also the mother. So you're saying that she's a moody bitch, but also a very loving bitch. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she's maiden, mother, crone, all of them. Oh, no, I can't believe you just said that from <laughs> Buck <Buck-Cake. laughs> But but Mr. Chris, I thought Maiden Mother Crone would be more lunar because she grows as she's a maiden. She comes into blossom as she's a whatever comes after maiden, and then she withers away, like an old bidding. No, what matters in that aspect is the cycle of life. That's the part that's important for Venus. So not necessarily focusing on the individual stages, but the overall growth. So she's con she's concerned with the organism as a whole, rather than its individual parts. Um, like I've said before, she's the symphony, not how the individual notes sound individually, but how they all come together in the perfect crescendo. So Whereas, she is a great sea, a crushing about, very moody-like, but also beautiful and powerful. What she isn't is H2O. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be the mercurial lot. That would be mercurial. So take us through the mercurial lot then. So the mercurial lot is is essentially the order of that. So if you were to if you were to make um Venus the goddess of chaos then essentially uh, the mercurial would be the the god of order so but not in a necessarily um formulaic way um it's about being counting it's about everything having its purpose and place and actually how the machine works as a whole is part of of that but it won't be nuanced um you know i find i was gonna say the the idea would be born in venus but its execution 
would be born in Mercury. Is that a fair way to put it? Well, they are of a balanced nature and one requires the other because like with anything with the planetary energies or the tree of life or anything like that, they all exist and will need to exist. They exist in all things. So you take one person or you take an object or something, you'll find all of these energies come together in some way, shape or form to create this object. So yes, they're balanced and they're necessary for each other. But with the unbalance or the face of it, I suppose, that we as people, individuals tend to see when we say something like a plant or a person or whatever it is, situation is more mercurial or more Venusian or more Jupiterian or martial, you know, all that sort of thing. We see the face of it. We ignore completely that all of these energies are within this and instead we go straight for the stereotypical now there are archetypes to such things a lot of the time when it comes to correspondences like we mentioned there are correspondences and goddesses and energies and crystals and all that shit that gets associated with the planets and mm. normally is to the detriment of the practitioner who's trying to understand them so i think maybe we pick a couple and delve a little deeper so with regards to spirits and such and gods and goddesses something that would be in that venusian realm something that would be in that mercurial realm obviously you could go for the stereotypical mercury and venus from the roman pantheon but we could also go for if i pick mercury hermes would be a you know stereotypical one that people can research and look up it's very much mm. there what would you go for for venus well, the obvious one would be Aphrodite to match that. Okay. Um, but obviously there are, um, you then don't tend to focus on on Eros. Mm. So, you know, yes, Eros is less of a, let's say, less of a purist. But there is, there is that they both fulfil parts of that Venusian current from a... Um, emotional point of view um, probably a better representation in some ways would be the the nymphs so if you were to have the um, all the variety of nymphs that you could think of from the siren all the way through to the um, kind of dryads and consider all of those they are probably truer representations of what um from a natural point of view from a nature point of view mm. so there are stereotypes within your color and color correspondences and stuff i, I just say correspondences in general <clears throat> with how we try to learn and understand them and personify them and how they appear to us or decide to appear to us or unconscious mind shapes them to make us or help us understand them with in each of the planets in each of the energies there's great mysteries and secrets and then understanding these mysteries and secrets we learn more about ourselves the things around us the greater universe is um and a bunch of cool shit right so one of the cool things that we learn 
with the tree of life and stuff is the correspondences of where they lie in their balance and their structure you know mercury and venus are on a line next to each other they balance each other like scales essentially but there are also other counterbalances now whenever i've said well what is the balance to venus most people go for mars because they think venus is feminine and mars is masculine and the balance there you know which there is a balance there they are to a certain extent opposite each other but it depends on what type of balance you're looking at if venus they are on that line together because more of the balance in terms of necessity safety i suppose and structure is that mercurial logical detached and venus intensive abundant emotional strength that fills you yeah um mm. so those are opposites they're polar opposites to a certain extent now within the stories that accompany you know within mythology gods goddesses and stuff like that you can attach and see where people get these ideas so mercury is said to be magic when the house of magic magic resides is quite low down obviously close to malkuf close to yasad close to the physical world it's very important planet magical system whatever to learn because it is magic um, but what is that why is it magic why does it get that correspondence why do people call it magic well what is magic at the end of the day is a system magical system for you to explore the unknown things that you're yet to understand by learning magic a magical system exploring it you are able to pass through that like an initiation initiating into mercury is that kind of mercurial school of magic it is okay we're teaching you all these great concepts mars venus jupiter sol all of the other ones at the top pluto all the crazy ass stuff but you're not going to understand that yet so we need to give you a vehicle in which to explore the universe explore creation and explore something there is the first one on the list after lunar is mercury mercurial structure you need a structure to explain concepts because when you open a grimoire there's a structure there when you open a spell but when you open every anything there is a structure there that is being put into words whether it's in a good way or a bad way that is basically trying to convey the information that's trying to pass on the information in language of course communication is still mercury so it is that structure a lower version of structure not a high level of structure like saturn limitation but structured mind the left hand hemisphere of the brain all of that sort of thing one thing that i would say about mercury also if you look at mythology you look at the mercurial characters they can be tricky and such but they're very much on humanity's side so whether they've been told that that's their job or whether they evolve and that is what they want to do they're low down the food chain you could say from a planetary perspective but they're also close to earth they're the easiest one the messengers all of these things come from a reason if you're going to want to talk to a god or goddess and you want some kind of a spirit that teaches you how to do that mercury the teacher the communicator the messenger between the gods is the one you need the structure to be able to understand how the system works so with that you have that you also have the idea of hermes i believe was 
basically told to look out for humanity. So you have the idea of mercurial spirits, quite fairly safe spirits, but also will help protect you from other aspects, higher aspects, gods, goddesses, whatever spirits, energies, that kind of thing. Mercury is a teaching planet. It is magic because it is the learning, the first structure, your ABCs, all of this stuff when you look back through school, there's an underlying structure that you then turn and it gives you a vehicle. You learn your letter sounds, you eventually learn to speak and write and all that kind of thing. That's very mercurial. You need to learn that to get to the next step, you know, and that is a stepping stone that is an important stepping stone and one that balances the Venusian stepping stone. So let's talk a little bit about Venusian stereotypes, deities and stuff associated with it, because there's a lot of emotion, I think, in there. And when you're talking about emotion, a lot of the time people's emotions happen to people. You know, you don't you learn to try to control your emotions, but they happen to you as a reaction. And that kind of energetic current is one that you swim or sink in. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about Venus, Venusian archetypes and, and shit like that. You've got five so, And then we've got the first part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, the obvious ones are obviously, like Liam said, they are the, the painters, the sculptors, they're the musicians. They're the people that see order from a new perspective. So rather than something going up, in a sequence you know naturally um and following the grad uh, you know the gradient of the graph or any other stipulation that mercury could apply um venusian is about finding the creative solution so something the person that's going to mix two things that shouldn't be mixed together and then create something wonderful is is what's going to happen with the venusian the kind of you know this is the sculptor that's going to decide no i'm bored of clay um why would i work with that i'm going to try and sculpt in molten metal um you know it's it's that kind of crazy idea that will always come out they are the explorers they're the ones that will go following their heart first trying to find out something that no one believes is even true so they're the the kind of mysterious aloof individuals that are never really grounded in what you expect them to be grounded in so not aloof like luna in a sense of incoherent we're talking about there'll be a firm foundation which may not be obvious at first so you know um if mercury is the trellis it's that holds the vine venus would be the vine that grows up it well that's quite poetic <laughs> very venusian so so yeah, like I said, archetypes in terms of uh, deities, the obvious ones you'll think of if we go from a Greek perspective will be, like I said, um, Aphrodite, Eros, um, the Muses, any of the nymphs. Yeah. They all fulfil that kind of role. Um, 
when you start to get blends further up, um, you'll start to see and recognize other pantheons in there. You know, the obvious ones are kind of Hathor, um, Isis. They are people that kind of dance around with the mercurial. There's enough of the mercurial there present that you can say, yes, they sit at this level, um, which you don't get as much from the opposites, like you were saying. You know, yes, you could try and argue um, that someone like Athena sits somewhere between Venus and um, Mars. They do. It's called Jupiter. <laughs> so, because right ultimately, ankle. it's a right ankle. Um, but they do sit between. So, which I think is why Mercury is such a great um, position and why they, we always go towards the messenger is that kind of position there between all things that are solid and all things that are etheric above and below that has that kind of you must pass through here kind of approach in order because you could say the same of the you could say the same of the position of venus but with venus you wouldn't get a structured language you'd get symbolism you'd get abstract now no one would want that as the messenger um because how would you have any kind of universal understanding you know whereas mercurial the mercurial aspect the order um allows something as abstract as letters to become words yeah so that is it for the regular edition of the podcast now we are on the patreon i figured he might be nice to instead of talking about god goddess archetypes i thought it might be quite interesting to talk about student archetypes um and i don't know how far we can go in terms of naming names and stuff like that some people will like us to call them out on their bs others don't um, so we might make a mixture of some. We probably shouldn't reveal any names and such, but some people, probably the people that we're not talking about, will assume that we are talking about them, whereas the people that we are talking about are going to assume they couldn't possibly be talking to me, because that's always how it goes. I always get approached, Chris, by the people, and they say, you were talking about me there, weren't you? And I'm like, no, no, you're being too hard on yourself. Whereas the other people who say, oh, I listen to that podcast, those idiots, blah, 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 that type of person. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I was like, honey, I was talking about you. But I don't say that, of course, because I'm a good mentor. Yeah. Well, interestingly, if we were to categorise those, where would we put them? So the ones that are overly um, lunatic, Mm -hmm. um which ones would they be so how would they react to being called out on their bs or us talking about them well like anything it is more complicated because they have a mix of all of them but which one or ones have they got the strongest current of because the lunatic psychic types normally you describe to lunar the lunar realm 
However, when you watch them magically, do they work in a purely lunar aspect or in a purely lunar way? Very often not because we're teaching them magical practice and witchcraft and stuff. So we're getting them to do more than just rely on BS psychic ability. We're normally getting them to push further into things that they can't just say, I just know it because I'm intuiting it. In which case, what approach do they take? Do they take a mercurial approach or do they take a Venusian approach? If I start constructing random spell work but with no real structure to it, it has no formula to it, it is literally stuffing things into a mix, that's very Venusian, that's very, I'm caught up in the process of making, I don't know what I'm making, but I'm using my hands so I'm technically making something and everything yeah. I do is different. Whereas if you do talk to the mercurial, that's, I need this solid structure, I need a formula, I need layers, I need this, this, and this, I wanna know how this works. I'm making a machine and every part of the machine is there for a reason because it has a part to it. You know, that's very mercurial. Um, and there are people that would factor into that. Our archivist is quite mercurial you know, came from more of a ceremonial magical background. What is the next bias, I suppose, that the archivist might have? It's Mars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I don't understand it and it's getting in my way, I'm blasting it out of my way, you yeah. know? And that's not yeah. to be saying that that's a bad thing to do because there are some situations where you do that and some situations where you don't. That is an example of a, as a person that we know who is quite balanced, very balanced. But if you were to say and had to say where are they unbalanced, they're unbalanced in the form that they like a Mercurial or Mars tandem to go at things. Now, I'm not saying that they can't work in any other way and I'm not saying they don't work in any other way because they are mastering all of them quite quickly, in fact. Um, but that sort of person would present a very, very different way of working from another person, you know, Cersei Dreamland, for an example, would take a very different approach to all of that kind of thing. Um, and when it comes to the stereotypes of the tryhards and the the um, naturals and such, excluding the naturals that are a high ability, just the general naturals that tend to get a lot on intuition, that's very Venusian. Taking a mercurial, natural mercurial person and taking a natural Venusian person, you can't really teach them the same ways. And I've witnessed myself and I've chuckled a lot. When you've got a Venusian person that's naturally, naturally very Venusian, that's decided to take on students for the first time, and they're mercurial inclined students. And they're like, I don't understand, Liam, why isn't this sticking? I don't understand. I just do it. I've told them to feel the energy and they can't feel the energy. I've told them to throw themselves into it. And they've asked me about why do I do this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I just do it. Just go and do it. You know, it's hilarious because when you get someone that's strong with mercurial and is, you know, progressed through and they've got a, a great magical system and experience, they take on a mercurial type apprentice. Great. They learn so much so quickly. But they take on a Venusian ap apprentice and it's the person that's saying, we are not going to get the paint or use it at all. We're going to understand how colour theory works at the minute. And when you try to teach that to a class of two-year-olds, they just want to put their hands in the paint and 
smear it everywhere, you know, and that is a, a legitimate way of learning and you will get art from that, you know, and these mm. two sides, they need to meet. Well, the one I want to speak about, and you'll know exactly who I'm referring to, and hopefully he knows too, um, you would naturally think, having met him, that he would be somehow Mars orientated because he likes to attack everything. <laughs> Actually, um, he's heavily, um, he's heavily Venusian. And actually, what drives that, um, you know, fight um, and the need to fight everything that tries to get in his castle is, is the fact that he is that protective mother instinct. We're talking about the, the rooster. Venetian. Yeah, talking about rooster. But yeah, I can see that. It's all about You look at underpinning energies that are there, that's around that person, not naming any names. Um, and you see that very clearly, but obviously to the untrained eye or to the outsider, then you see the, uh, perhaps some would say even a boisterous nature. What you actually see is you see a doer, and Mars is a doer. Mars is the one that wants to get up out of his seat. He don't want to sit on a throne. He wants to go and invade something. He wants to go and do something. He wants to go and tear something down or something like that, you know, a doer. So when you have Venusian, and you have someone that's Venusian that really wants to try something and do something and has somewhere to be, something to do, there's that balance there, you see? They draw on a martial aspect and it is opposite. They are pulling themselves across, you know, powering, you know, much like you have the counterbalance with Mercury and Jupiter. Well, what are engineers? They're very, they're very mercurial, but what is Jupiter? Jupiter is building, is constructing an empire, is constructing something. So the balance of that and what they need and where they gravitate towards naturally is mercurial people gravitate towards Jupiterian stuff. The passionate, you know, let's be fair, a lot of murders, <laughs> a lot of murder crimes of passion. And that is your Venusian, Venusian um, martial kind of aspect there. You've got that. They are opposites. And going across the sun, the sun's in the middle, soul, you know, the higher self, that is in the middle. Crossing that, pulling yourself towards that means pulling yourself towards Jupiter, if you're mercurial, pulling yourself towards Mars. That's where your power comes from, at least your first power before you master the others. It's all very logical, but it's also no one really speaks about it because they're not supposed to, because to dare to know and then to keep silent. Are we going to get assassinated by the Illuminati or something? Christopher saying something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we've said it too much. Either way, we're still alive for now, so we should continue speaking too much, yeah. I think. Well, you've you've talked about that kind of natural up-the-ladder situation. So, you yeah. know, the first unbalance, if you're kind of overly powered in one side or the other... So, you know, overly powered in the Venusian, the next step up from there, like with the Mercurial going up to Mars, is that kind of Venusian going up to um, to the Jupiterian. And obviously in that moment, what you're not seeing is what you just described with the Mercury uh, across to Jupiter is about building, about empire. 
Mm. When you go up the thing from a Venusian point of view, that's about um, family, mm. is about lineage, is about blood tie, about mommy, daddy. Yeah. Um, so going up from that point of view, you're talking about statesmanship and you're talking about how you present yourself as a dynasty, um, about heritage. So, you know, kind of where you're applying that pressure, I think people get too stuck with where we started, which is correspondence, is about what these individual energies look like, but actually how they're viewed, the viewpoint, the perspective, is what makes the most interesting information that can be gathered from seeing those connections across. Mm. You know, so actually, you know, somebody that is heavily mercurial, when they move over towards Jupiter, you know what that vantage point looks like compared to if it was a Venusian person making their way towards Jupiter. They present in very different ways. Yeah, and the order for the Tree of Life is set out in a way that is supposed to guide someone to be balanced. So when we look at this, when we say, well, actually, the mercurial kind of becoming Jupiterian, that's not something to aim for. That is the natural leanings that you're going to go down, you know. Mm. But actually, it is going from 10, which is Markov, to 9, to 8, to 7. You're going and you're picking up your balancer. So if you are mercurial, you don't then boost your mercurial with a bunch of Jupiter. What you do is you should balance yourself out with the Venus. And people go on the path, the two pillars, they say two pillars, Jacob and Boaz, uh, severity and mercy they have a habit of trying to climb on that pillar and jumping up that pillar because they get ideas of balancing by I know I need to jump onto the other side but I don't need to jump onto the other side at the level I'm on at the moment I don't need to find another approach to this level so instead of going for well I know how to do this spell so if I know how to do this spell why do I want to go and learn how to do it in a Venusian way? Instead, I want to go up to the next level and not do a spell in the first place, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not the approach that you need to take. So people do have biases. People generally have a bias towards Mercury or Venus, you know, but in terms of the overall natural energetics, natural planetary, you know, associations, how you're mapping a person. We're not saying that you're going to be most unbalanced in Mercury or Venus than all of them. In reality, you're probably going to have one or two or three planets that are all very high up, very that you're very strong in, but others that you're very weak in. You know, it is a lot more different than just Oh, well, there's only two biases in this Mercury and Venus, because that really isn't the case. Um, I have kind of, I dislike the whole gendering approach, but that is a very strong theme yeah. within uh, when looking at deity, when looking at energies and stuff like that. People will say that Mercury is very male 
and Venus is very female, but that Mars is male, you know, all of that kind of thing. It, it gets very strange very quickly when it comes to trying to gender things. Now, I'm going to steal a little something from the Wiccans at the moment, and it's not probably the Wiccans that you've probably have listened to. It's probably the people that trained those Wiccans and did a half-assed approach for it. But it's the idea of the god-goddess, mother-father, father-god, mother-goddess, and the idea that you yourself are a child of that. So if the god is purely male and the goddess is purely female, you're one of the children of that, which means you're both. You inherit traits from your father and your mother. And although it may be said that, oh, he looks so much like his father, or, oh, he's got the eyes of his mother, or, oh, she's got the personality of her father, you know, that kind of thing. You are still a mix of both. And although these traits crystallise in the physical world, very crystallised and physically, is a lot deeper than that when you peel back the layers and a lot more, com you know, a lot more complicated than that um, and you do see it sometimes mirrored in mythology like people say lunar very you know moony moon is moon goddesses but of course there are moon gods again you have eros which would be venusian but that's stereotypically kind of male stereotype mm. body that kind of thing um and again mars you think you know destructive warrior massive juiced up guy on steroids with a shield and a sword and all that kind of stuff you know but actually um wonder woman would she be more martial would she not be martial would she be a cross between mars and jupiter you know all of this sort of thing gets very complicated bitch wears a lot of blue doesn't she but she's also got some red from what i remember so who knows um but it is a, it's a complicated subject. I know we kind of are curtailing around the issue and throwing a load of the planets in. And I know we're supposed to just stick to Mercury and Venus for now. No, I think I think it's appropriate because ultimately, I think what people do is categorise too strongly. So mm, they'll yes. go, oh, well, that's obvious. It's it's a Venusian. And you kind of, well, actually, is it? Because... Mm. Some of, you know, the newer varieties of gods um, obviously have a more opportunity. So going back to your genetics suggestion, the purer something is, the more likely it is to be at the top of the food chain, which means yeah. it's had less offspring in order to muddle things up. So in theory, your titans are more likely to fit directly in one of these spaces mm. but your your major gods are going to be somewhat watered down so they're likely to be a mix and your really watered down ones your most modern um and your kind of demigods and those sorts of things will have closer to the earth in them so the actual what might be polluting them is the terror um and that means that they might not be directly linked up or down also just because you know because i just want to make sure that this doesn't happen either don't assume because mommy's venusian and and daddy is mercurial that also automatically they have a you know a um, mercury venus mix that's not what we're talking about we're not kind of making it as simple as that 
what I'm trying to get to is that it's all about perspective. So you will see what you are capable of seeing in each of these deities. And a lot of these deities, as we'll often say, are masks of other things. The less masks they've got, the purer that individual might be, the energy that you're dealing with at the time. So, you know, yeah. I was just going to say a tricky one for you to try and place. Um, and I'm not going to give you the answer, but maybe this is one they could all think about is an entity, entity like Hestia. Hestia. Where on that in, yeah, where on that entire colour palette um, would place someone like Hestia? You know, because that then becomes a tricky one for you to think about, because if you were to talk about her, obviously, you know, there's the nurturing aspect of the warmth and um, of fire itself. There is the um, Jupiterian aspect of it being the home or the castle. Uh, you know, you've got the um, Mars aspect of the heat burning a house down. Mm. Um, but then equally the mercurial aspect of she's best connected because she's at home. She knows all the connections to go. So actually the fact that she's got aspects of all of them should she not be pushed further up the tree? Um, and actually, maybe we're not talking about any of these base in the first place. So, you know, I think it's one of those where actually You're give it some thought. You're just being nasty I know. and trying to come up. You could have given a much easier example than that. And you've decided purposely not to. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want, I don't want them to think... At the end of the day, this is no holds barred, Liam. And yeah, it's true. And it's Patreon side. Um, so you know, I'm giving an example as abstract as that to give you an idea of actually where you place things. It is not as simple as going, you know, Thoth is all about communication and writing, must be mercurial. But that's what they do. That's what they do. You see, so, Chris, they argue and they say, well. Thoth obviously then became Hermes, which then became Mercury, which then became Hermes Trismegistus. It's as simple as that. I know that because I read it on some blog somewhere on the internet and a bunch of other people have repeated it in YouTube videos. Therefore, it must be the case. When in reality, what they don't understand is that Thoth is not Mercurial, nor is Thoth lunar. In reality, it is kind of like a planet that is stuck between two suns. Imagine that if each planet is a sun and yeah. yeah, each of these planets, so Mercury, Venus, you know, all these, each of these Sephira, each of these energies are a sun and they have in their gravitational pull spirits. Some spirits are closer to one sun, some spirits are closer to others. And then what are you talking about? An individual spirit or are you talking about a gas giant? And that because that sun has a gas joint orbit in it, and that one does, and that one does, and that one does, but that one don't. Does that mean that we're talking about gas giants in general, or are we talking about a specific gas giant? So is Thoth orbiting Mercury, or is Thoth orbiting Lunar? Now people will describe Thoth as a lunar god. It's lunar god, it belongs to Lunar, the house of the moon. 
others will mercury in reality when you look at it and you look at the the mythology and stuff is mirrored between the two that crossroads between the two you know um and you don't get a lot of people that talk about the crossroads and pathways between them because it's not understood mm. people take the idea of this is my perfect way of organizing all those little fucking correspondence index cards i now i'll have a drawer for each planet but actually it's far more complicated than that and like you said about the pure breeds and that sort of thing, then you are talking about the sun is the center of each solar system. Yes, but there are multiple solar systems and also multiple types of things, let's say, in that solar system. You know, we talked about gas giants. You know, there are gas giants. If a spirit is a gas giant, yes that may be that spirit but glass giant is a classification remember a classification of spirit does that classification of spirit solely exist in the mercurial plane in the mercurial current or is it just a couple of that species of that classification of spirit that live and dwell there maybe it is maybe it isn't maybe it's just that all gas giants are a certain distance away who knows? It's complicated. You've got to look at it and think about it. And that's why we break things down and only focus on the basics, which is the lower ones. And let's be fair, most people haven't even gone, you know, they haven't even managed to do astral work to a deep level, let alone other ones. So, you know, you've got great artists, musicians, all of that sort of thing that delve in on a superficial level, the current that is the Venusian current. You have great people like Stephen Hawkins, mathematicians, physicists that delve on a superficial level into Mercury. And then you've got the crazy ass psychic down the village fair that <laughs> delves into speaking to dead people and challenging shit and goes crazy dealing with Venus, uh, sorry, dealing with Luna. But obviously the combination of that little magical triquatra, that science, magic and art all coming together is very much what we're trying to get to. Mercury, Venus, the moon. That is your biggest and strongest foundation. And if you want to get further, bloody crack the foundation first because it's Uberly important. We gonna give anything else away, Chris? We you you in the mood to give anything else away? I don't know. We could talk a bit more about archetypes, I guess, or something. But I hopefully it's kind of sinking in and people are seeing it. We're starting to make sense of what we actually mean. Um, so you know, we started this with weaving planets. And obviously the idea there was to give you, um, you know, a series of platforms to kind of jump off and explore. Um, obviously we did that very early on, back when we thought it was safe to talk about really big subjects straight away. Um, now we have to kind of break things down on a more microcosm point of view rather than a macro. But the, you know, there is a big part of that that you working through each one, getting and expanding your palette, you will get to the point where these all makes total sense to you. Um, and you'll be able to tell the subtle hints between, you know, 
um, a Luna that has a, a taste of um, a taste of Jupiter in it. You know, yes, that involves going through a conjunction with the Sun, obviously, or Venus. So you know, bearing in mind how that has to go, that means you have to be able to taste a subtle Luna when the Sun is involved. You know, those kind of aspects are when you're starting to go, actually, I'm getting pretty good at this. Um, I kind of feel like the last five minutes we should overshare a little bit um, and talk about what we mean, I suppose, by how we deal with our natural biases. So you can see natural bias as above, so below, right? So the gifts that people have, their abilities that you say naturally out of the box, they are generally categorised, or you can categorise them from planetary stereotypes. So if they've got a very psychic person, psychic on a lot of levels, they're going to be very lunar. You know, if you've got someone that's very, very creative, then that is going to be very Venusian. If you've got someone that loves mathematics and have got one of those brains where they can, you know, delve with structures, patterns, languages, maths, all that sort of thing, that's quite mercurial. You know, structured brains, engineers, all that sort of thing. But also the stereotypes, you see this a lot within Greek art, I know, but, um, or Greco-Roman art, but the physical characteristics because you as a person are a crystallized structure and as above so below if you have certain physical traits the chances are that is mirrored by some kind of magical energetic components to this so there are people which you can look at and you can say that is a very mercurial person or saturnian person or that by the physical makeup uh, body composition, that kind of thing, you know, and all of these things, they, they mirror. So you can look at it from a mundane perspective. Um, you could also look at it from sensing the energetics, what they exude, what they give off from an energetic perspective. Of course, you could do what we do and just splay them open and look at their soul because all of it's structured, you know, um, but ultimately is understanding that yourself and understanding what your own unbalances are and then when you have that structure it's common sense how you what you need to do to balance yourself it's just you deciding what method you'd like to go to do that that's the important thing because unbalance means weakness but also strength you're strong in certain areas or you're weak in others and as above, so below. The body needs to be balanced, otherwise injuries and bad things happen, illness and such. So energetically you need to be balanced as well. Yes, for example, my, my I find that my um, Venus Mercury has a tendency to balance itself quite naturally where I tend to struggle is obviously when I get heated up too much, that the Mars explosion is often too much for me to handle. Therefore, I have a, a natural um, desire to resist that. You know, so it's, it's important that I keep a lid on that 
it's meant over time my my threshold for coping with bs is higher than the average because i know what happens if i go into that martian red mist um you know so it's one of those um what always interests me though liam is why people think i have and you might be able to answer this in the last minute or so you've got to give me an answer is why people think i am in any way shape or form weak in the saturnine um that would be very much their own unbalance so what they do <laughs> is like we've actually said earlier haven't we where people or it might be in the last podcast where we said people with an unbalance in saturn don't understand saturn and try to change saturn so they don't see the saturn in things so what they see is the stereotypical nicey nicey facade and they think saturn is evil nasty and causes the things i love to die and it's very dark and i don't like wearing black because that's what the baddies wear <laughs> you know so with that kind of thing they think well chris is a nice person therefore he can't be saturnian you know oh. that kind of thing he doesn't limit things he doesn't do all the nasty things that i associate with saturn so that would probably be why it is i mean you could talk about uh somatotypes <laughs> i'm a very um mercurial and saturnian you can tell that just by looking at me <laughs> and I can know where I need to go for balancing out my energetic bodies, my energetic centers. And I do put effort into doing that, but I need to put some sort of effort into it. You know, think of it in terms of food. You have meals that you like and things that meals that you don't like. Sometimes you need to eat some of the things you dislike or don't really like all that much because they're healthy. You can't just eat McDonald's all the time. You can't just eat chocolate all the time. You need some greens and vegetables in there. You can't just eat food all the time. Sometimes you need liquids as well. Yes. So there we go. I think that is it for this edition of the No Horse Bar Witchcraft podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And who knows, we might have to do a part four. Well, actually, we will end up doing a part four because there are other bloody planets in there. Hopefully, they'll get this this time and we'll be able we to can crack go off. Mars. I'd like to crack Mars and Jupiter. And then what I'd like to do is talk about the higher self as well um, and the whole solar thing. And maybe, maybe if they're good and all do their homework, I'll talk about crucifying Jesus on the tree of life because that's always fun right bye everyone